Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Radius moment, yet more people in the thousands get taken in another fake, fake, fake patent scam. I want to tell you what to look out for, how to avoid having your wallet separated from you in the potentially thousands to millions of dollars. And coming up yet later, oh boy, new report out about how much debt people are carrying into retirement. We got to talk. I want to talk right now about a class action suit that I discussed, I guess it was last year. It was a class action lawsuit filed against Zillow. And the class action certified by the courts was about Zestimates. You familiar with Zestimates? Very popular thing. If you go to Zillow.com, you can click on Zestimate, and based on any address supposed to be one you own, it'll give you Zillow's wild guess on what your home is worth. Now, it's crazy, but people have been taking the value that Zillow gives in his estimate and treating it as if it was tablets handed down by God to Moses. And let me tell you, that's not what it is. It is an algorithm that takes a wild guess on what your home is worth. And the judge dismissed the class action lawsuit and said, forget about it because Zillow is giving this away and two, why do you have the right to hold them accountable for the wild guesstimate that they give you in the Zestimate? And so here's what I want you to know. You can go look at a Zillow Zestimate and if it's close to what you think your home's really worth, you got lucky. If it's a lot more, a lot less, you got unlucky. But it is much more like horseshoes, where close is good enough, than it is actual science you can hold on to. Now, I get a kick out of putting properties into Zillow where I have a pretty good sense of what they're worth, and seeing what Zestimate is given, and generally, they are not close to current market condition reality. There may be situations in um, developed communities that are built by publicly traded builders, particularly in the Mountain West, where the builders build basically the same floor plan over and over and over and over again. And in those cases... His estimate likely mathematically could be very accurate. But for homes that are not uniform, they're in any way and know that one person's sense of value could be very different than another. Which brings me to the key point I wanted to make to you. There's a lot of people with how overheated the housing market has been at some price points in many places in the country that people are getting ahead of themselves 
and pricing at some fantastic number that means that your house sits on the market and ultimately sells for less than somebody who prices for current market conditions. Don't believe your own tall tales about what a property you're listing is worth. And don't give a listing to an agent just because that agent said your home was worth more than somebody else. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, David. Hey, Clark. David, you are interested in using frequent flyer miles and got a question for me about that, I gather. Yeah, that's right. I've been uh, flying a lot for work, and um, I'm planning to take a trip with the kids to uh, to uh, Disney World next year and uh, trying to figure out the best way to book some flights, um, I guess, in terms of both timing and, um, you know, uh, I guess just uh, best way to get there using miles. So how much flexibility do you have with your kids' calendar in terms of when you go and when you return? Pretty limited, really. I, I'm, we're going to be um, working around the school schedule. Okay. And do you have the next year school schedule yet that you can draw on to try to come up with when you'd redeem frequent flyer free seats? I do. Oh, that's great. So, you know, I'm looking at looking at probably one of the holiday weekends or, <clears throat> or spring break probably sometime next year. Okay. And so spring break next year, the airlines have already allocated their first allocation of seats using frequent flyer miles. Are the dates for the spring break showing available? Uh, yeah. Yeah, generally, yes. So even this far out, they've already allocated seats? Yeah, and what they do is they go by historical averages for each flight, each market, and they adjust the seats various times before you would actually be going on the trip. So they they might actually, um, you know, at a point right now, not show seats available at a good redemption level, and then at a later time, they show them again. And it varies so much by airline, the availability. In fact, there was just a report put out by uh, that I read in the Wall Street Journal showing the ability to redeem on airlines, and they rated six airlines, and the easiest to redeem on in the country is Southwest. The hardest of the big six to redeem on is Alaska. Who are your points on? Uh, unfortunately, they're with Alaska. No, no, no. Really? All right. So uh-huh. Alaska ranks just a hair behind Delta on difficulty. So Alaska, roughly two out of three times, you're going to be able to redeem in some approximation of what you wish. And so right now for next spring okay. break, they're not there, huh? Well, I've been able to find some. So uh, is what you're saying that uh, there is no window, I guess, that would be best to start looking for these as they come available 
Um, is it just completely up to supply and demand? Yeah, you so know, it varies by airline, and, I, and I've, I really have never explained this the way I'm about to explain it to you. So the way Southwest and JetBlue do it is different than everybody else. What they do is when they have a sale on tickets you purchase, that's when you want to redeem free seats. And they let you redeem based on what the sale fare is, so you need a fewer number of points or miles to redeem your ticket. And every seat, every flight, every day is available for redemption on Southwest and nearly so on JetBlue. On American United and Delta, they now use a system where they keep the how you redeem pretty much a major mystery and how many points it would take. And so checking early like you are and often is the right thing to do. Alaska does its own thing. And Alaska's program is under extra scrutiny right now because of the takeover of Virgin America. Alaska's program is really like on double secret probation from members of both the Alaska Mileage Program and the old Virgin America Program. So I think you'll see Alaska, to relieve pressure on itself, make seats a little more available as this year moves on. Okay. So I would encourage you to set up where you check for now once a month and you see what's available and what redemption level miles you'll need to use on Alaska to book that flight. And then when you get six months out, I want you to check every week. Okay. So so you'll know the patterns. You'll know how many points and how available they are. And that's how I'd figure it out. But I so prefer the system that JetBlue and Southwest use versus the one all the others use because theirs is so much more transparent and you never feel like the airlines are pulling one over on you because they're just so honest with you how they do it and how many points it takes. And I wish Alaska and the three full fare airlines would take a lesson from Southwest and JetBlue on that. Tate is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Tate. Hello, Clark. Tate, you are interested in a Chromebook. Yes, I am. I, I must admit, um, you know, we do uh, pay bills and uh, do banking. I mean, most of the time we set up, you know, auto pay situations, but we go on these type of accounts and, um, you know, you bet, you've convicted me that I need to be more secure with my information, especially on my computer. Yeah, and that's a good idea because, gosh, you never know what kind of things might happen on a regular computer that if you're doing financial on it, you stand risk that you've opened the door wide open to a crook. How can I help uh, you with the whole Chromebook thing? Yeah. Well, you've talked about it enough. Like I said, you've convicted me uh, to want to purchase one for uh, security. So I've been looking at them and, uh, you know, there's it's, it's inexpensive. There's $69 I've seen them. Now, um, 
I'm a thrifty man like you are. I don't want to spend more than I need to. We're only going to go on there, you know, very limited because we do have an app with some of our banking, and you've said using an app is safe. Um, so, but I don't know what specifications to look for. I don't want to get something for... Uh, I don't want to throw money away on something that's $69 and it's just so slow that... Uh, yeah, it know. won't really matter. If you're using a Chromebook just to pay bills and just to monitor a bank account or brokerage account, then even the lamest Chromebook should work fine for that. Okay. And you wouldn't have to worry so much about overwhelming it. You know, the thing with a Chromebook, if you're going to use it as an everyday machine and not segregate it for finance, you want to get one that has four gigs of memory. A lot of the ones you'll see, $69, $89 right in there, will only come with two gigs of memory. And if you're opening too many windows and doing too many things, it'll really, uh, it won't freeze up on you, but it really does way slow down. And you feel like you're having a birthday waiting for things to move along. Right. But right. if you're using it as a linear machine and you're using it just for paying bills and things like that, I think any old Chromebook will do, and buying one of the ultra cheap ones, you know, usually reconditioned ones at uh, 70, 80, 90, 100 bucks is just fine. And you have said in the past, you know, don't put passwords and stuff on there, but if we're only doing it for that one thing, would storing passwords on it be troublesome? You know, I've been told that I'm wrong on that and you're okay to store the passwords if it's a, a linear use Chromebook that's only used for the financial sites. So I will leave that to your judgment whether or not you want to store those uh, passwords for your financial accounts. The beauty, though, of having the Chromebook is you leave something segregated that you don't have to worry so much about crooks getting into your business, getting into your money. Today's Clark Rageous Moment concerns something that's been on my radar forever. In fact, it was in my very first book as an ugly scam back in 1993, and it concerns inventors or would-be inventors getting ripped off by crooks. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous Moment. So this is so upsetting, but... This is just wash, rinse, and repeat with the phony invention and patenting groups. And there's one that got busted by the feds called World Patent Marketing that stole $26 million from 1,500 different known people to this point. And the money has been absconded with people who were promised that they were going to have tremendous merchandising deals, they were going to secure these great patents. All that happened was they had their dreams crushed and their money stolen. I need to tell you that this has, as I said, this has been a problem so long that it goes all the way back to when I first went on the air in the 1980s as a problem I've been aware of. When you have a great idea, you believe, you have something you want to patent. You have an invention you want to bring to market. Know that the idea of hiring one of these firms that claims pay us money and we're going to be your hero 
is an absolute prescription to you losing all the money you pay in. The process is one that requires you spend money for piecework, for people helping you with various phases of it. And i like for you to start, if you are an inventor, at the website nolo.com, N-O-L-O.com, and read what they have to say about patents. You'll learn what you need to know to protect yourself from the crooks and potentially bring your idea to market. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. You can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. I'm about to talk about something that could make you squirm, make you uncomfortable, make you angry at me, and I'm going to do it anyway. What I want to talk about is something that really touched my heart. A new study found that right at about half of 75-year-old Americans are carrying debt, nearly half. This is a massive historical change where people that are 10 years past what would normally be considered to be retirement age are in extreme financial insecurity because of debts. Try to imagine just dealing with day-to-day expenses in retirement and having on top of that debts to deal with. And some of the most difficult questions I ever deal with are from someone who's older, who has debts, or a family member calling me about someone who's older. And the time to deal with this is much younger than you might imagine. I'd say starting at about age 40. You want a trend line thinking through. And in my own staff, we meet every day before the show. The web people are off air people, radio, TV. We all get together. And I said in our pre-show meeting that once you've hit age 40, you should not take out a 30-year mortgage. And let me tell you, I had some angry eyes looking at me because that's something people don't want to hear. Even my team that are people that are geared towards being careful with their money. Because it might mean that you take out a 15-year mortgage or a 20-year mortgage, and that may require you to buy a cheaper home than you were intending to, because you want a trend line where when you approach the time period in your life where you want to dial back or your physical health may require you dial back, that you not be in a position where you're still facing 10 or more years of mortgage payments. You want to try to trend line where you will be mortgage debt free. Now, I know what can be confusing to you is I'll take a call from somebody in their late 50s and we're talking through their finances and they'll 
ask me, should they really be all about paying off their mortgage? And then I'll ask them questions about what they're doing to save for retirement. And depending on that answer, I might tell them, no, keep paying your mortgage as agreed. You need to be devoting the money you might have put towards the mortgage towards putting money aside in a Roth. And then I say a trite phrase I say every time, you can't eat your house. So you need the flexibility of having money you can use for a variety of purposes. But that's somebody who's already way past that initial decision point about where they're going to trend line into having debt or not having debt. So try to put this in your mind, in your heart. I mean, you can even go as early as age 35 that past age 35, you would not want to take out a 30-year mortgage, but definitely by age 40. Because you don't want to Go into a loan where you're going to be in debt till your 70th birthday. And remember this, the stat done by the outfit that did this is called the Employee Benefit Research Institute, found that you got a 50-50 chance at age 75 you're still in debt. That is not good. I want you, when you hit that kind of age, to be living without the pressure of who you owe money to because that is no fun at all clayton is with us on the clark howard show hi clayton hi how are you great thank you clayton got a question for me about engagement yeah so uh i'm in the market for the ring congratulations um, to you (laughs) thank you and uh yeah it really just started with several questions in my head um you know, I've got some time on this, so the number one thing that popped into my head was, when was the best time to buy? It was something I had kind of started researching, actually back in, like, January, February, um, but just now I've really gotten more serious about it, and um, what I'm seeing is that there is no best time, but maybe you can You correct. are correct. <laughs> right, so... Okay. Is your... Um, is the woman you're getting engaged to going to be part of the shopping or are you going to surprise her with a ring? So it's been a little bit of both. Um, Back in January, February, when it seemed a little further off, we actually talked about it a little bit. And now that I'm getting closer, I'm kind of shutting that down to keep the surprise element. Um, But between that and enlisting the help of her sister, I have gotten pictures of several different types. So I've got a I think I've actually got the setting already picked out, if I'm being honest with you. But um, I. Uh, but the big money, depending on the size of the ring you're getting, the big money is the diamond itself. So when you right. say setting, you mean the the jewelry the diamond will sit in? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So can I just get straight to cheap with you? Okay. All right. So... And th- this is something you you may not be interested in. Maybe it is something you'd be interested in. But I hear from people who buy diamonds at pawn shops that they are able to get a much better deal than traditional retail diamond sellers. Is that off the table? Uh, nothing's really off the table. The one thing I will say is, and it's funny, I'm, I'm just kind of OCD when it comes to these sort of things, so... You know, as soon as I 
really started digging down. I spent like two days when I should have been, you know, doing work and other things, uh, just doing nonstop crazy research. And the place I found, and really one of my biggest questions to you today is um, about insurance on the stone, because, you know, she's essentially picked the setting at this point. I feel like, how could I do better than what she has literally already told me and or her sister that she wants? So, um, you know, it seems to be about the diamond at this point, which that's what you're talking about now. And the place I'm looking at offers as part of their warranty uh, to cover the center stone if you get from them. And I'm really wondering what kind of a value is that? You know, when obviously you can self-insure, and I really just have no clue, like, what, what is that? What most, price what, point what diamond are you? Lifetime? Give me a sense of price point diamond. I'm looking at, uh, for about 5000 on the diamond. All right, so you hit 5000 I want you to have your own insurance policy. Do you own a home or rent? Yes, I own a condo. All right, so with your condo insurance, you can add on coverage for the, her stone, and mm-hmm. I want you to do it that way. You don't want to accept coverage that would come from a jeweler because jewelers come and go. Okay. So don't value what they're saying. Oh, we're going to insure it for you, which is only um, – a promise you're better off with your own policy that you know is really there and you're paying the premium on okay also i like for you to compare diamonds using the online sellers the Mm -hmm. largest and most controversial of those is blue nile have you looked at them i have uh and i've spent a lot of time on another side as well so i i like that i also am a huge fan of buying diamond, believe it or not, at Costco. And that's where my wife's diamond is from. Okay, yeah, I've actually uh, read that about you. (laughs) Let me tell you the advantage of buying at Costco. Sure. You can bring the diamond. If she doesn't like it, you can bring it back, and no questions asked, they give you your money back. Normally with diamond sellers, when you buy it, you own it, and the, the... the most they'll ever do for you is let you supposedly use as a credit towards something else in the store, but they always get funny about that. Mm-hmm. So I love that you can return it for a refund. And Costco, because the most they mark up anything in the store is 14%, except Kirkland Signature, which is 15%, you know you're paying extremely minimal markup in an industry that normally has significant markups in it. Mm -hmm. So I would compare, once you have a sense of clarity um, and carat weight, that you compare what you can do at Blue Nile, another online seller, Costco, versus what you're looking at at the place that intrigued you with the pseudo insurance. Mm -hmm. But because you're buying the diamond, you're going to surprise her with it. I love the idea of you buying it at a place that gives you the right for a full refund, which, you know, most of the online sellers give you that right for a period of time, too. Mm-hmm. So, just yeah, a thought. I saw Blue Nile had 30 days. Yeah, so think about the advantage of that. If she, uh, you know, she's going to be excited you've gotten it for her, but if she's really looking at it, and a woman, when she first gets an engagement ring, stares at it and stares at it and stares at it and then stares at it some more. And if she doesn't love it, then you have the ability to return it and get her what she loves, 
which is what you really want to do in the first place. And congratulations to both of you. I appreciate it. Thanks. Sure. Daryl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Daryl. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Daryl. You are thinking of trying to either get a vehicle or dump a vehicle through an online service. Is that right? That is correct. Which side of this are you on? I'm interested in getting a vehicle. Great. So what have you looked at so far? So far, I've looked at some of the cars, uh, car places online, and I've also looked at probably trying to pick up a vehicle that's been leased by someone. And I want to get your thoughts on on that from one of the leasing companies. All right. So there's, I'm trying to remember, there's Swap-A-Lease and there's another one, um, Lease lease Trade, Trader, Lease Trader. Yes. And with those sites, um, what it allows you to do is there are people out there who are stuck in a lease and it's a contract and they... They, uh, for whatever reason, they've been given a company car. They transferred to a place where they don't need a car or whatever. And they're just paying for this thing they don't need. And that's the idea of swap a lease and lease trader is you can come in and take over their payments. And as long as it's done right, that you qualify with the original holder of the lease, yes. not the borrower but the company that's extended the lease, the automaker's leasing arm or a bank leasing arm, um, then it's a great thing because you have an ultra, almost like a a long-term rental, ultra-short-term lease. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. As long as, (laughs) remember the as long as, everybody is all in and everybody signs off on it. Gotcha. Gotcha. How long do you want to have the vehicle? Uh, probably just a couple of years, I think. Just probably just two, two years to anywhere from 18 months to two years. Because my brother had a need for a vehicle for six months and couldn't make either of these work for him when I was uh, giving it to him as an idea. And he just went and bought an ultra-used car and owned it for six months and then sold it. So okay. it's got to fit your situation, and if you can get one of these to fit you for the two-year period, that's like potentially an ideal length of term for the person trying to get out of the lease and for you. Adam joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Adam. Hi, Clark. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on and to address my question. I love the podcast. Oh, thank you very much. How can I serve you, Adam? So I have two daughters, ages 9 and 11. Congratulations. And <laughs> thank you. And they've managed to save up some money by way of doing chores and uh, holding on to money from birthdays and holidays. And uh, we were just looking at different options of how they might be able to put that to use. Um, for instance, putting it into a savings account versus 529 or maybe some other kind of investment option. Wow. Okay, so good for you that you have taught such good values about money to your 9-year-old and 11-year-old. How much money do each of them have we're talking about? Uh, we're probably talking to between 100 and $200 at this point each. Okay, and in your family culture, they're going to college, I gather, since you mentioned 529? 
Yes, and we do have 529s for both of them. Okay, so the best thing to do if, with money that they have saved is to either, because they have enough money to do it, either open an investment account for each of them, which they could do at Charles Schwab, mm-hmm. and they could start investing and use that as a tangible way that you start to teach them about ownership and owning pieces of companies. And because custodial accounts require a much smaller minimum, only $100, where an adult opening one, you have to have more money. So they have enough, they could each do that. And that is a teaching vehicle more than anything else. Versus the 529, where it could come into play much later, but... Well, the 529, you know, gets a little fuzzy because you would want to have it in your name with them as the beneficiary, the way it's treated tax-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, not tax-wise, the way it's treated for qualifying for financial aid in college. But the kids lose. I'm thinking of two different things. So it's like I got on one shoulder, I'm thinking paying for college. On the other, I'm thinking about how do you reward these kids for saving money instead of spending it? and use it as a way to advance teaching them about money and investing. Right, and technically now the returns on something like that would be better than um, what savings accounts are offering. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, I I think really think through, is it the practical thing that you want to just continue to sock money away for their college, or do you want to add a little more complexity but offer the real teaching experience of having them have their own Schwab investment account and learning how to invest and how investing works. And so either is absolutely fine. It just is which goal are you trying to reach most? And you just make that call yourself. But I love Schwab as a way to teach kids. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for tuning into the Clark Howard Show today. And if you're like me, you like deals, well, we got our deal diggers hard at work at ClarkDeals.com that help you save money day in and day out. We work around the clock to find the best deals for your wallet. And they're on a variety of consumer items. Check out ClarkDeals.com.